Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that uh, we are able to come to set aside time on a day when we can worship you and be reminded of how much you love us. Thank you that you've called us home. Thank you, Jesus, that you have called us, all who are weary and heavy laden, to come and find rest in you. I pray that in this moment, in this time, that each one of us will be reminded of where our ultimate rest is found. And I pray for those who are here today who are are wrestling with anxiety and worry, I guess all of us in varying degrees, that today, Lord, we would place our lives in your hands, that we would commit ourselves again, and some, maybe for the first time, to realize that ultimate peace and soulful rest is found only in you. Our hearts will never be at ease until we come to you. So, Lord, I pray that through this message that each one of us will be drawn to you, encouraged, and commit ourselves anew to find our value, our worth in you and you alone. So speak to us, Lord, your children, as we rest and listen. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You do sound great today. Notables, thank you again so much. Choir. Braxton, thank you so much. Braxton graduated yesterday uh, from seminary. He has served, is serving us well as, uh, as an intern in our worship uh, ministry. So Braxton, thank you so much. We're grateful for your life and ministry among us. You know, oftentimes um, as believers, we, we, we pull scripture out of context. You, you no doubt have heard that before, perhaps, if you've studied the Bible at all. It's possible to pull a verse out and for it to, to mean kind of whatever we want it to mean. One of those verses, maybe that's used often like that, a very popular verse, is found in Philippians 4.13. I wonder if you know that verse. Anybody? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we love that verse, particularly, I think, American verse. That's a good Christian American verse because that's right up there with um, God helps those who help themselves, right? Right up there. It's not in the Bible, by the way. Um, but we like to pull that verse and we put it on a T-shirt or something. I think I've seen it where Jesus is, I think he's lifting weights or something. Um, and it's, you know, like the Lord's gym or something. Or maybe you have a, a poster that you have up somewhere. It's a guy scaling a mountain. He's cl- clinging to a cliff. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, here's the truth. If, if I were to say, I, I believe that verse so much. I have so much faith. I'm going to try out for an NBA basketball team. That's what I'm going to do. Now, see, some of you are laughing already um, because you know I'm not going to make that team. I can love Jesus with all my heart. I can work harder than anyone. I'm not going to make an NBA basketball team unless it might be the Cavaliers where I can just pass it off to LeBron um, because that's basically what they're doing and uh, it's working. So if I could do that, and I think I might could get the ball to LeBron and then watch him do what he does but I'm not going to make an NBA basketball team. I mean, evidently, I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why is that? Because you and I have limitations. In fact, we've been created with limitations. Think about that. You and I have been created in such a way, if you keep going, if you stay vertical long enough, and you continue on, you're going to fall over at some point. You're going to get horizontal one way or the other. 
In fact, the Lord has created all of creation is such that, uh, or at least on, on planet Earth, the, the, the Earth is designed in such a way that there's coming a point where it's going to get dark later on, tonight. And, and, and God says to us, look, you can't see, so you might as well rest. In fact, you're going to rest better if the light is not shining. I'm going to remove the sun for a period of time, and for about eight hours in a day, you would do well to just get horizontal and just sleep and rest. And in fact, today I want to talk about, and really kind of give you permission uh, to stop, to just rest. You see, you can't do all things in Christ. And in fact, that verse itself, Philippians 4.13, is in the context of worry, anxiety, and contentment. We already read a portion of that text from uh, earlier uh, in, in the service. You see, what Paul is talking about, he's saying, uh, I've learned to, to live with a lot. I've learned to live with very little. I'm content in every circumstance. I can make it through anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The problem with many of us is what I have called, because I've seen it in my own life. This message today comes out of a, a fellow traveler and struggler um, who has grown and learned a lot, but still learning and growing. But I have entered into what I call an arrogance of capacity at times in my life. I think I wrestle with this periodically. I, I want to give you permission to slow down. In fact, today, the central point of the message is this. It may sound self-evident, but you'll understand it more as we go. Rest is the key to entering into rest. You see, one is something that God's called us to do. The other is a state of being. Uh, like all things in the Christian life, being ultimately precedes doing. We can be at rest, soulful, deep gospel rest that can lead us to a life of rest. But to get there, God says you must rest. You've got to stop. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you. Today there's several moments along the way where I'm going to do some kind of diagnostic personal work. Uh, even better, allow the Spirit of God, as we've sung earlier, to speak into our hearts. Lord, teach me. I want us each to come before Him humbly and say, Lord, show me how I can change my life. How can I live differently? I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you, are you in need of rest in your life? Do you feel like you need to slow down? Some of you here today, you're asking this question. I am not sure... I wonder, how long can I continue to live like I'm living? How long can I keep on going like this? Now, for some of you, uh, it, it, I think it would help to be clear that, 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 that rest doesn't simply mean that you, you need to rest physically. That, that's a big part of it. But for many of us, you might say, maybe you're retired, and you say, you know, I've got lots of time on my hands. But your mind cannot stop. Maybe you wrestle, you struggle to sleep at night. What are you thinking about? What is going on in your mind? It's why we say my mind is racing, because we're continuing, we're busy in our minds. You see, see rest, ultimate gospel, soulful, life-giving rest starts in the mind. Even better, it starts in the heart, as we'll see today. Many of us can't rest because our minds will not rest. Some are, uh, others of us, we feel... Um, that we're, we, we feel guilty when we relax. We can't stop. 
Do you know anyone who's anxious? Some might, might refer to you that way. I mean, somebody who's, who's always going, always uh, moving. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. Maybe you're in an organization where the leader is just nonstop. Maybe you're a parent. And, and as a result, your entire family is anxious because of your life. You can't stop. And it's obvious with people around you. You know anybody like that? You might be that person, right? And I would like to suggest, no, I'd like to say clearly today, explicitly, this is not a benign problem. This problem will ultimately kill you. It will lead to such anxiety and worry. If you don't get this right, it will lead to a life of worry and anxiety, and ultimately, it will cause all kinds of physical challenges in your life. I could go there. I could talk about research that leads us ultimately to death. The problem in our culture, however, is that your nonstop activity and hard work is often applauded. Do you know the one country, you, you, you might could guess, the one country in the world that works harder and more than Americans in regard to, to less time off, fewer vacations, anybody got a guess? Is the Japanese. Yeah, it's, the, it's Chinese, Asian types, but Japanese. And before we think, oh man, we got to take over that number one spot. We got to get with it. We got to get busy. Um, uh, before we think that, they actually have a name. The word is karoshi. It's a word for, su for, for, for sudden death as a result of overwork. Working yourself to death, literally. And, and, and though we may not see that as much in our culture, though it happens, what we do see, and doctors will bear this out, is our work is killing us. Recently, our, recently our staff was talking about disciple-making. And I referred to, to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. And as we were talking about that, that's essentially what discipleship is. Spend time with me. It's being intentional. Spend time with someone, and I'm going to follow Jesus. You come alongside me. Watch me, and, and you'll see how to follow Jesus as well. And then I'll release you. As you follow Jesus, I'll encourage you. That's disciple-making at its core. And I had to pause and to think about my own life. And, and, and you would hope this would be true about your pastor. There are many things about my life that are imitable. Many things that I would want you to emulate. I would want you to follow me in many ways. But at the time, this is a couple months ago, I had to pause and, and I said it to our staff. I'm not sure I want anyone to follow the pace of my life. And, and that's not a virtue. I'm embarrassed to say that in front of you. But I say it confessionally because, again, I'm a, I'm a fellow traveler with you, growing and learning, but I'm learning that rest is the key to entering into rest. So let's see what Jesus has to say about this. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28 several passages I'll reference in this message we have read together in our uh, collective responsive reading earlier. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 23, I want everyone turning there in the Scriptures, and we're going to look at uh, different uh, passages along the way a little bit, but you'll see those. You don't have to run to them uh, as we walk through the message. In chapter 2 of the book of Mark, Jesus has been challenged already by the Pharisees 
Uh, they're coming after him as he's teaching and preaching this new kind of gospel that is not a legalistic form of religion, not a self-salvation project, but instead is found in him ultimately. And here in, the, in verse 23, uh, we find uh, he and his disciples are walking along, and it says one Sabbath, okay, so Sabbath day, where the Pharisees had turned this into a day where if you didn't rest completely, you were breaking the law, literally. And one Sabbath day... I say that, they had, very, they had many regulations on what you could do and couldn't do. He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Now imagine this, they're walking along, I'm, I can imagine them through, through just rows of grain perhaps, and the disciples are pulling off, you can actually do this, pull off grains of, uh, uh, or, or off the, the top, and, and then you rub it in your hands and you separate the tusk from the grain, and then you can actually eat the grain on the move and it can give you sustenance and they are evidently hungry and the pharisees were saying to him look why are they doing what is not lawful on the sabbath again laws that they had made because in fact in deuteronomy 23 25 it says that you can do this it's lawful to come along the way but now they've made this this uh this more detailed kind of a law that says now they're harvesting grain is what they're doing that's what they're getting to they're working it's unlawful to do so And he said to them, now watch this, you'd have to know a little bit of history here. Jesus is referring to an incident in in 1 Samuel 21, 6. He says this, have you never read, which is a pretty bold statement to say to a group of Pharisees, do you not know, and he's, he's implying, you know this, when David, the king, you know what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence. Now, I don't, if you know this, there's bread of presence on the table in the sanctuary of God, in the temple, and, and it was always there before the Lord. This is consecrated holy bread. And, and he took it, okay, the high priest actually gave it, which, is, which, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, Christ himself, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus, he he appeals to David and says, David was the great king. Only someone as great as him could actually do something that, that, that the priest would agree to and give him the bread to eat. When no one else could, Jesus is now saying, insinuating, implying, I am greater than David. I'm the greater king. I can determine as Lord of the Sabbath what the Sabbath is all about. I will define the Sabbath. This is a bold move in front of these Pharisees, and it made them angry, of course, and he would many times over. But let's talk about this. I want to apply this this uh this passage to our lives and scripture other scripture to our lives we're asking the question what's next uh since easter we've been asking uh what's next in light of the resurrection in many areas specific areas of our lives and what i want to do today is talk about what's next regarding rest now some of you already you're thinking what's next jeff i'll tell you what's next for me uh, nap nap time that's what's next for me i mean i'm ready for you got me i, I will obey i'm i'm in especially on a little rainy day like this, wouldn't that be something? Go home and take a nap. Here's the thing, for some of you, 
Taking a nap will be the most holy thing that you can do today. I'm not kidding. For some of you, to stop and to rest and to take a nap will be the most consecrated, sanctified thing that you can do in your life. Because many of you struggle to rest. Now, I get it. Part of that's a, just the way you're wired, you know, physically. I have never been able to take a nap. I just cannot. Um, my parents used to send us three boys off to our room after church. I know why now. They'd send us off, close the door, go take a nap. And I'd never take a nap. I'm, la- I'm in my bed. I'm just wrestling, doing what? And I'm just playing in my room. But they were smart. They went and took a nap, right? While the boys are off in their rooms collectively, you've got to stay in there and do not come out. That's the way it was on Sundays at times. I remember growing up. But what I want to do is talk about the principle of rest. I want to talk about the, the, the pace of rest. I want to talk about the practice of rest and the person of rest. So first, the principle of rest. I've already alluded to a little bit. The Sabbath it goes back to this idea of Sabbath rest. And by the way, the word Sabbath literally means stop. Okay? It means stop what you're doing. Sabbath rest, stop rest, goes back to creation. You know this. The Lord, it took six days to create all things, and on the seventh day, he rested. Why did he rest? Well, he was tired. No, he wasn't tired. He's establishing a pattern, a Sabbath rhythm of life. We see it again in Exodus 16 with the story of the people of Israel, and and you remember the manna came, and his instruction was, for six days you'll collect, on the sixth, I mean, for six days it'll come, for the day only, and then on the sixth day you'll get enough for two days. But he was very specific. I want you to collect for the seventh day because on the seventh day you will not go out. You won't work. You won't do anything but trust in the Lord that he's going to provide. And so we see this Sabbath, a principle of Sabbath throughout Scripture. Of course, we see it in the Ten Commandments, which we're going to look at this summer, by the way, a series throughout all of the Ten Commandments. But it's to keep the Sabbath holy, a day where we are to stop and to rest. God has instituted this, this Sabbath rhythm for His people. We are made to stop. The Sabbath reminds us that we have limitations. Life has limits. There are restraints. And we don't like to hear that. There's a humble posture in hearing that we need to stop and apply this command to our lives. Why are we, can I ask it, you ask it, why are you so resistant to rest? Why do we have such trouble not working? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the pace of rest. We talk often about what it means to follow Jesus every day, right? And and what would Jesus do? I I would like to to offer this, that that I I don't believe that we can do what Jesus would do in any given moment uh, because of our sinful nature unless we're living a life that comprehensively looks like the life of Jesus. Here's what I mean. Jesus lived a life where he would have intense moments of ministry and work and then intense moments before the Father, which were really intensive rest. He would find himself going off alone over and over. He had this pattern in his life where he would would enter into time before the Father in prayer. And out of that soulful rest, even the Son of God before the Father, reminding himself, uh, through the Spirit of God, speaking to him who he is and, and what his, his, his task was. And then he would enter 
into times of great work. This was his pattern. You see, the principle of Sabbath enters into the pace of our lives when we realize the Sabbath was not given simply for one Sabbath. It was given for a Sabbath over and over and over again every week of our lives. And now that Christ has come, His Spirit in us, it's every day that we have this rhythm of Sabbath rest. What does this look like? Well, first, I want you to do some introspection. Allow the Spirit to speak into your heart. Recognize the pace of your life. Are you resting these days? Are you intentional about rest? And again, if not, why not? Why can you not stop? Maybe you have an inability to say no. The reason that you cannot stop and you know this, your, 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 your worth, your identity is found in the approval of others or through your performance or through both. Your inability to say no is because you are seeking your worth and your value through the approval of others. You're defining yourself by others' opinions or you're defining yourself through your performance. You see, to rest, to stop, is to say no to certain things and to certain people, even people whom you may love very much and who love you. Recognize the pace of your life. Secondly, recognize the pace of creation. Now, we've talked about this. On the seventh day, God rested. He rested because He was finished. And here's where this goes. If you're tracking with me here, you're realizing, wait, so, so the work, the ultimate work that needs to be done in my life has already been accomplished in Christ. My worth is found in Him. It's not found in my, my performance or the approval of others. My worth is found in the fact that He loves me completely. I, I am fully loved, totally accepted, completely approved by Him. I can rest in that. This is what it means to be and to live in Him. His righteousness has covered me. But you recognize the pace of your life. You recognize the pace of creation. And then thirdly, recognize the pace of Jesus' life. I've said it before, he was often busy, but he was never in a hurry. Jesus had this, this focus on the Father's will for him, but I want you to see that Jesus, even Jesus, as the Son of Man, the Son of God, even he had limitations. Think about that. There was a time at the end of the day when Jesus said, I'm done, I'm finished. Uh, there were times when he was healing people in a particular town or a city, and he said, that's, that's it. I'm done. There were times when he, we see him, he would need something to eat, or he was tired, and he would need rest. In the midst of wanting to be like Jesus, let me ask you, are you recovering like Jesus? See, many of us do not emulate this life of Jesus. The problem with the arrogance of capacity is that it is a prideful self-righteous way to live it's not benign it is a deep spiritual problem the inability to rest is to go against the command of God Christ set aside time with the father in prayer he allowed himself to be defined by the father he lived his life out of rest and he calls us to do the same and it is possible Let's talk about the practice of rest. What does Sabbath rest look like in our day? What might that look like in your life? You see, for a Sabbath to be a Sabbath, it's a day, though we're talking about much more than this today. But I wonder for you, is it Sunday? Is Sunday a day of rest for you? Could be. 
maybe compared to other days. It's a day where it's consecrated. It's where you don't do your normal work. But you do things that are life-giving, perhaps. But it's a day where you rest. For me, you can imagine, Sunday's not the most restful day. Uh, many of you, you come to church and it's not so restful. Our, uh, our notables, our choir, and those who, uh, who lead us every, every week, it's, it's not restful. You're up a little earlier getting ready. We're going to go home tired today, and that's going to be a good feeling. I've got, two, I've got three other events, meetings I have today. Not a real restful day. Someone said they saw a church with a marquee out front, and it said, it said don't let worry kill you. Uh, let the church help. <laughs> now, I know what they, they, they meant, but don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Some people feel that way. The church is not a place that should kill you or cause worry or anxiety. The ch- you're here today, I'm preaching to the proverbial choir, because you're here because you said, I must come together with God's people. Because worship is an, is an act of rest. We're remembering who we are in Him. It's a discipline of remembrance. Even this message is reminding you, yes, that's where my rest comes from. I will enter into this next week at rest, at ease, not dis-ease, but at ease before God who defines me. Christ has defined who I am. Not my work, not the, my ability to gain everybody's approval or perfect performance, a self-salvation project. I can rest in the finished work of Christ. This is why you're here today. It's why we come together. See, again, we wrestle with what we need and what we want. What we need on Sundays is to come together for worship. We need one another. We need to be with others who will worship the Lord. I need to be with you. You need to be with me. This is the pattern, the rhythm that God's given us that we would enter into rest. But what does this look like? You see, again, Christ appeals to David But he's implying that he is the greater David. He's the greater king. And in the next chapter, he actually heals a man. You talk about trouble. He heals a man on the Sabbath. Now imagine that. The Pharisees are saying, see, he's working. No, he just healed someone in need. So we wrestle with what's needed because it was needed. Why were they taking grain? They needed to eat to stay alive. You'll need to eat today. But I'd ask you this. On a Sabbath day, whether it's Sunday for you, it might be Saturday. That's my, my Sabbath is Friday sundown until Saturday sundown. I try to do that. Got lots of weddings this spring. But I, I, Friday is supposed to be my day off, which I can move a little bit if it's Friday or Saturday. But you need to have a day of rest where you're not working at all. And I have developed this pattern in my life, and it is life-giving and just might save my life. And allow us to continue to serve the Lord for a long, long time. But we have trouble discerning what's needed and what's wanted. If I were to ask you, what do you really need today? Really. What do you need to do today? You could go home and say, I don't need to do anything. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to wake up from my nap. I'm going to eat something. Probably need to eat something. I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to rest again. I'm going to watch some golf. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rest. See, you, you need to discern. We have trouble discerning what we need and what we want, but do only what's necessary on the Sabbath. So I'm going to give you just a few practical steps here, okay? First is this. It seems self-evident. Stop. Stop. 
That's the first one. We said it earlier, Psalm 48, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. That's what the Sabbath is about. That's what Sabbath rest is about. It's saying, you know what? I'm not God, and He is. And in stopping, literally, let your hands hang down. Stop working. You are, it's an act of faith. Just as rest, napping, sleeping is an act of faith. The world is going to keep spinning on its axis. God is still sovereign over your life. You will be able to accomplish all that you need to accomplish because He's still at work in your life. And I want to offer this to parents in particular, young parents. Stop technology. Stop technology. Here's the, the, the most difficult thing. When, when research is done, we talk to parents. I've seen research. When you talk to parents about what's the hardest thing to be a parent in these days, they always run to technology. Their kids will not get off their screens, whether it's a phone, an iPad, a computer, a television. They're always in front of the screen. Grandparents, can I get an amen? We see this all the time. And it's because parents will not take the lead. Now, interestingly, in surveys done, research, they ask the kids. And the children are the ones who are saying, I wish my parents would get off the screen and pay attention to me. I was out for dinner, Stace and I, with another couple the other night, and I saw a man sitting next to us, a young father. He was there with two of his kids. Evidently, mom's off somewhere. He had the kids for the night. He was on his phone the entire meal, and the two kids were on their iPads the whole time. And I didn't feel it was my place to go preach to him. I, I, I was wanting to, but I, I literally said to the others, I said, come on, Dad, come on. You have a moment to be with your kids, so turn off your devices. Set a time where they're off. And for just a practical, th practical thing. Now, here's what's hard. Parents dealing with technology in our day, this is something that is new. Parents don't go to their parents and say, how'd y'all deal with this? Oh, right, we didn't have that. This is new. But I'll tell you what Stacy and I have done with our kids, and now they're, they're a little bit older, but we, we always said, no screens in the bedroom. And put your devices to sleep before you go to sleep. And so in a common space, you put your devices there to plug them in overnight, turn them off, and they're in the den where it's a common room where everybody is. Not off in your own room. And parents, you've got to take the lead here, and you've got to do it early. Start early. There's a great book called Tech Wise Family. It's by Andy Crouch, and he says this, one hour a day, technology off for everybody in the family. You might say, one hour? We can do better than that. Okay, do better than that. One hour uh, a day, one day a week, and one week a year away from all technology. And that's a simple way to go. It might look different for your family, but you've got to take the lead here. This is, this is, we think that we're connecting via our devices. We're actually, the opposite of connection is isolation. And that's what's happening through technology today. Technology can be used in great ways, but it will ruin your family. Stop and get off of your screen. Next is, is establish a finish line. Uh, this has helped me a lot each day. At a point in the day, I'm finished. I'm done. I've got to leave the rest for tomorrow. At the end of the week, you're done. When are you finished? At the end of the week. And then at the end of a year, when are you finished? You're finished. Be done. 
You see, you've got to establish patterns like this. And then uh, something I heard years ago was, uh, was this. I think it was Rick Warren who, who said, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. And I've sought to practice that in my life for years. And that pattern will allow you to have a healthy spirituality and walk with Christ. Next, devote yourself to a day of rest. You're here today, and I, I praise God that you have made this a commitment. And we'll talk more about that in, in the days to come. Positioning yourself before the Lord to hear from Him. That's what you're doing today. And then I'd offer this. Learn to read nature's Bible. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Right? You, you see Him. They proclaim His, His handiwork. Get outside. Breathe unfiltered air. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that we know who God is because He's made it evident to us through creation. Get outside. This is why I call myself a Christ-centered naturalist. I love, I've got to be outside at times because I'm reminded of how good God is and the beauty of His creation. So, as we, as we land this, I want, I want to challenge you. What, what might you do? I want to encourage you with this. For a month, this month, for an entire month, take one day off a week, completely off from work and from what you normally do. But here's the thing. The principle of the Sabbath, the pace of, of, of rest, and, and then the practice of rest will only happen in your life when you come to the person of rest. Jesus says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. What he means here is not only as Lord that he can determine what the Sabbath is all about. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He fulfills the law of the Sabbath perfectly. He lives the life of Sabbath rest. But not only that, in him we find the rest that we need that guides all of the rest of life and the rest in life. We have rest from our past. Our sin is forgiven. We have rest in the present from pain and suffering and addiction. We can find rest in Him and comfort. We have rest toward the future, death, anxiety, and worry and fear because He is Lord of our lives. It's why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's referring to those who didn't make it to the promised land. And their sin was unbelief. Friends, listen. Christ is our rest. There is a Sabbath rest that comes. Not for a day, not for, for a period of time, but for eternity. We find rest in Him when we determine that our worth is found in Him. Our value is found in Him. Jesus is our rest. He's also the door into heaven where we will experience ultimate and eternal rest in Him. Have you received Christ, the person who brings rest into your life? Jesus is, is crying out to you right now. He's calling out to you. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. C.S. Lewis said this, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because apart from himself, it does not exist. 
You must come to him to receive it. I want us to pray as we close our time. And we're going to enter into a special moment of response. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to challenge us now. What do you need to do, friend? You've heard much today. The starting point is to give your heart to Christ, to give your life to Him right now. If you've never received Christ by faith, not by works, but by faith, receive His grace, the rest that comes through Him. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for finishing the work that needed to be done on my behalf. Friend, at the end of creation, God said it's done. It's finished. And on the cross, Jesus finished the work on your behalf. He took on the punishment that should have been yours, and He cried out, it is finished. The work is complete. Receive His grace. Rest in Him. All that needs to be done has been done. But rest is the key to entering into that rest. So Lord, we give you our lives. We pray that you would allow us to be still and know that you are God. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to close our time with a song. We just want you to stay seated, stay at rest. And Stephen's going to lead us as we consider, Lord, be, be still my soul. So let's sing to him, even as you... Uh, give your life to him and consider what he said to you today, all right?